0: Yeah, I'd imagine we'll get into this a little bit more with uh, with our next guest who's on the line. It's Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. But I do want to start with the good from last night, and that was Team Canada's uh, gold medal victory last night. What's going on, CJ? Not much, guys. How are you? Ah, doing pretty, I guess, lukewarm, right? You had a a tough performance on the Maple Leafs, but then directly after they had lost the game, you flip back over to the Canada game, and you see them win gold. So that kind of put a smile back on your face if you're a Maple Leaf fan. But what stood out to you most about this year's tournament and the team that they had uh, in this gold medal win?
1: Well, they they danced with uh, with death a little bit. You know, it was not... uh, was not a, a route by any stretch. I think some people thought that that team, mm-hmm. you know, with some NHL talent and with Connor Bedard, might romp through the tournament, and, and that was certainly not the case. They had to survive the, the overtime in the quarterfinal. Um, the semifinal was much closer than the score looked. I thought the U.S. really gave them a strong push and, and could could have won that game, frankly, if Canada didn't get such strong goaltending from Thomas Millich. And then they blew a 2 nothing lead last night but still pulled it out. So... You know, it, it was high on entertainment value. I, I really enjoyed the event. It's nice to see some countries like Slovakia and Czechia, you know, field stronger teams. It was, you know, it felt like more of a jump ball tournament. There was a five or six teams that probably could have won it, and uh, you know, pretty good showing from the crowd in Halifax too. That stands out just just how much fun it looked oh, yeah. like
2: you know, for those in the building. So, CJ, obviously, in the grand scheme, when we look back at this tournament. Uh, you know, we'll remember a lot of things. We'll remember the great crowds in Halifax and, and Moncton, and, and we'll remember the the winning goal by Gunther, but this is going to be remembered as Connor Bedard's moment, right? Where he separated himself from the pack and, and became, you know, what, what, uh, Craig Button is listing as a, as a generational talent, uh, to be, to be listed uh, among the likes of the McDavid's and the, and the Gretzkys of the world through the ages. Um, you had an interesting piece today uh, for the Toronto Star and North Star Bets about how you know this, this performance is going to have some ripple effects, including the way NHL teams conduct themselves from here on out toward the draft lottery. How do you see it? Well,
1: I, I think that, you know, look, I don't think anyone was really questioning Connor Bedard's standing in, in this draft class entering the tournament, but... When you see him against his peers and, and you know, in this tournament, he's, he's young. Everyone pretty much he's playing against is older and he's to dominate to that degree. I do think that it brings into focus, you know, just how important the number one overall pick is. You know, of course the NHL does its part with reducing the draft lottery odds a couple times over the years to the point that even if you finish last this year, you got less, slightly less than a one in five chance of getting that number one pick. But you know, there's, there's probably five or six or seven teams comfortably we could say have zero shot at the playoffs. It's probably even a little bit more than that. Um And, you know, when you look at the bottom of the standings now, you, you have Chicago, Anaheim, and Columbus. They're, they're on pace for some of the, the lowest point totals that we've seen from any team in the last 20 years. And then they're they're there already. And so I, I think that there's going to be a bit of a race towards the bottom here. Of course, there's there's no guarantees you can get them. It's, this isn't the 84 draft where the Penguins just openly tanked. You know, demoted a goaltender the, the 84 Penguins, uh, that the '84 Penguins that that went on a winning streak, uh, just because they, they wanted to ensure they could lose and, and ultimately draft Mario Lemieux back in the days where there was no lottery and finishing last meant drafting first. Um, you know, it's it's not quite the same odds, but I, I do think that we're we're going to see some activity from teams, maybe a little bit closer to the deadline, to to weaken their chances in in the short term, and and this is this is a pretty big prize that they're they're competing
0: for. Well, I'll give you the top three scores at the tournament in terms of uh, draft eligible, sk- eligible skaters at the championships. Fantilli had five points. Shala and Leo Carlson both had six points. And uh, next up, Connor Bedard, twenty-three points as a draft eligible forward. I mean, it's just incredible stuff. Uh, the, the way he dominated clearly will, will not be forgotten by a lot of Canadians and definitely general managers. Um, Shane Wright, though, CJ didn't dominate quite as much as maybe people had wanted him to, but did have his big moment last night. Did score uh, a, a great goal, um, the second goal of the game. On on his birthday. I mean, how nice was it for him to have that moment on that, on, uh, you know, the big, the big stage like that?
1: It was a pretty sick goal, you know, kind of reminds you of, you know, something you might see from Sidney Crosby or something and not to to compare him that that I I think he'll be that level of player, but the the way he got that backhand off and came into the offensive zone. I thought that Shane Wright actually had a pretty strong tournament. all things considered. Um, You know, what's going to probably define what he becomes in the NHL is how, how well he can play defensively and, and hold up at both ends of the ice. And, and certainly in this event against his peers, um, you know, I, I think he came through with flying colors there. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's probably makes the most sense where he's at development wise that the, the, Kraken of this morning assigned him back to the Ontario Hockey League, you know, to, to, Kingston for the moment. But, you know, it's expected he'll be traded by the Frontenacs in the coming days before the OHL trade deadline passes and, and, you know, get a chance to compete for, you know, an OHL title in the Memorial Cup and then you know we'll probably see him in the nhl next season but i think it was a good experience for him you know a really difficult start to the year where he didn't play much and he was with the kraken and you know with scratch for four and five and six games at a time but then you know went down to the american hockey league on a conditioning stint and and you know got his offensive game going and got to play more he came back to the nhl and scored a goal and then went to the world juniors and had a strong showing and won a gold medal on his birthday i think that you know that the middle part of his year has been better, and I imagine he'll have a lot of fun now in the second half uh, when he lands with an OHL contender and and can can play big minutes there.
0: So I'm curious, CJ, as you know, our TSN NHL insider, will you be turning into a TSN OHL insider for the next few days as this you know trade speculation for Shane Wright kind of continues to grow? I'll probably have to defer to
1: some better uh, <laughs> better connected in that league.
0: If I'm being honest, I don't I don't know a lot of the general managers
1: there. Um, you know, but, but obviously we'll keep tabs on that story. I mean, we'll see what happens with Brad Clark, too. It sounds like I would expect the LA Kings to send him back to the OHL. And and so, uh, you know, there's more interest in these players, I think, as, as fans more broadly watch the, the World Juniors. I mean, Connor Bedard's been ripping it up in in the WHL all year. You know, they, they played a road trip through BC where all the games were sold out, uh, with him as a visitor. Like, obviously he's created some excitement in parts of the country, but when you see it on this level, I think, the discussion and the interest goes up even more
2: so cj let's talk a little leaf since this is leaf's lunch um a lot of great things uh, about last night's game especially the first period for the maple leafs they were as good as maybe they've been all year sheldon keith said in terms of you know creating chances and, and limiting opposing chances and yet it's a it's a it's a 5-1 loss and And yet again, goaltending is an issue for the Maple Leafs, CJ. Al's brother and I were just talking about how in the last nine games, since they blew out Anaheim, uh, the last nine games, they've got the 32nd uh, overall team save percentage in the league, 32 of 32. Uh, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov both in major slumps, I would say, or at least, you know, Depending on how you want to characterize it, slumps. I mean, five game, four game, respectively. How do you see that? Is is it just a blip, or is this is this going to be a concern for Maple Leafs in the very near future, if not already?
1: I, I think it gets to concern if it continues much further from here. I mean, if you step back and look at where they are, big picture, the Leafs are still one of the best teams in shots against. They're actually still the, the fourth best team in goals against per game. Uh, you know, even Matt Murray and Neely Samsonov individually are, are slightly above league average with their save percentages. But we are in that zone because of this, this last almost month-long stretch where if this continues, it does get to to a, a much higher level of concern. I mean, I think almost where you're at now, you're like, okay, well, this this is about average. This is about probably where things should have been and what we saw last year from Jack Campbell is that continued on much longer in his case and so yeah. the Leafs actually had I believe the worst team per- save percentage in the second half of last season which is pretty remarkable given that they had 115 points and still were able to outscore the problem <laughs> yes. um, you know I don't think anybody that works for the Leafs at this point wants to see any repeat of that show that that where they have to be scoring five or six goals a game to to be winning games and so you know I think we're at kind of I mean, look, it's still the middle of a long season and and there's no real doubt about their playoff positioning or anything like that. But, you know, as we look bigger picture, I think that they have to steady the ship quickly here and and help these guys regain some confidence um, because if not, it won't be long before we're talking about what they do at the deadline and do they need a goaltender and all that stuff again. I mean, we're not... We're not far. We're sort of teetering on the edge of that conversation. I'm not sure we're fully there just yet, though.
0: And I think it's because of like the PTSD that we suffered from last year, and it's just déjà vu. Like this is basically the same timeline where Jack Campbell had an outstanding November, was one of the best goaltenders in the league at the time, was talked about. He was. An all star. He was, he was voted as an all star based off of those numbers. And then it kind of started to fall off in December and then really, um, really hit the skid from January onward, was one of the worst save percentages uh, in the NHL. I, that's where I think a lot of people look at this and say, uh oh, are we going down this road again? Did we overhype the goaltending too early? And then now things are kind of starting to hit the rails.
1: Isn't it broadly speaking? Just like it's just eerie how similar the The seasons—the whole year, yeah. Even if you go back to just sort of two weeks struggling out of the gate and everybody's freaking out and everyone's being fired, then they go through November where they (laughs) barely lose a game in both seasons. You know, you mentioned the goaltending being a a storyline and a positive storyline. November, December, and then falls off the table in January. I mean, to this point, it's they're almost mirror similar seasons. Also, you just look at the standings. I mean, it it looks really like we're going to see a Leafs Lightning series. Uh, again, uh, which is the way last year went, of course. So, I mean, I guess it's up to them to, to try to change the script and not have it be the same thing. I, I, there's no rational way to explain that the seasons would be so similar, but from from 10,000 feet they are. I think actually, if you dig into the numbers and the performance, I, I actually think there's a case they made that this year's Leafs team has been a little better than last year's. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely defensively, they've they've made some – Tangible improvements in terms of what they're giving up. And they've done that through, you know, obviously some challenges with the injuries on the blue line. But, um, you know, this, this, the, the goaltending thing is, it's definitely, I think we're getting close to high alert. It's not, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet, but this, this can't go on too long with, with five goals against for a period of time in, in the games because that's just not the way this team wants to be playing to have, have longer term success.
2: No doubt, CJ. So one of the reasons you do point out, CJ, that the season has been maybe arguably a little bit better than the last season is the defensive play notwithstanding the goaltending of the last nine games. And one of the reasons the defensive play has been so strong is Mark Giordano, obviously, uh, oldest skater in the league at age 39. He's been an absolute stalwart for the Leafs. But the the past few games, last night, you know, he was a minus three. First time he was a minus three, I think, since since uh, February of last year. Uh, he just doesn't put up those kinds of games very often. But he has looked like he's showing his age a little bit. I don't want to be critical because he's been great this year, but he, he's looked a little bit sl- slower afoot these last few games. Is there an argument to be made, CJ, that with Connor Timmons sitting, with this depth you've got and you know the injury situation right now at this particular moment, touch wood uh, in a good spot, uh, is there an argument to be made that you could maybe load manage this guy a little bit? You've got a back-to-back coming up with uh, Detroit and Philly in these next couple of nights. Uh, does it make sense to you to do that even though it's, it's not hockey tradition to do such a thing?
1: It, it makes sense to me. I mean, the, the, all the sports, you know, the best practices tend to bleed into one another over time. And it's, you know, obviously, Dave. I know you're, you're close to the NBA. I mean, it's been so common practice there for for players. And it's, you know, hockey players. I suppose are just it's a different mentality. You know, by and large, they don't they don't like to do it. I mean, Mark Giordano doesn't even skip an optional morning skate. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's old school, kind of the way Jason Spezza was at the end of his career with the Leafs. Just just doesn't like being off the ice, he feels as though he, he misses something by not uh, going through those rigors. But, you know, I, I think that there is a case to be made for it. Um, you know, Sheldon Keefe actually, oddly, I just asked him yesterday about how he wanted to manage the D now having, you know, some players that, that he would have liked their performances being scratched. And he said he he was inclined to, to give the current six defensemen a, a run to, to allow them to, to get comfortable. So it, you know, it doesn't seem, you know, as we head into a back-to-back here with the games tomorrow and Sunday, that the Leafs are thinking about it, but, but I, I think it's going to happen eventually. I really believe there'll be a time where we see, you know, there's just so many back-to-backs. The NHL features a lot of travel, you know, obviously the, the, the way the game is played is difficult on the player's body. I I think that in time, this will become an accepted practice, but, but we're not there yet. And I certainly don't have any reason to believe the Leafs are thinking of, of doing that. I mean, unless, you know, perhaps we see the, the, the play fall off so much. I mean, Giordano, The crazy thing is, he played all those twenty-minute games, right? It was eleven or twelve in a row when, when the injuries were there. He was he was doing more than I think anyone could reasonably ask of him at that time, and you know he's had a had a fall back since. I mean, maybe there's a, there's a correlation.
0: Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, or TSN Hockey Insider. Um, Morgan Riley's been a, a person of interest for a lot of Leaf fans of late since his return. Been a little bit of a whipping boy since returning to the lineup. I mean, do you feel like it's it's warranted? I know he was caught a couple of times last night, uh, you know, fishing pucks out of the back of the net. But is he just trying to get his legs under him here? Like, what's your thoughts on on Morgan Riley since his return?
1: Well, I think fair criticism is always warranted. I mean, this is this is the nature of the business that the players are in, and. You know, I, I understand where that comes from. It it seems to me almost in a social media age and it's not just with you know, Morgan, but you know, I see it a little bit with Raptors Twitter with Fred Van Bleed. I mean it, it seems like when things go wrong it, it really can can go really far the other way and, and that's that's the part I think that I you know, I it's just not the way my brain works, but um you know, Morgan Riley was out for a, a long period of time. Uh, you know, his, obviously the main part of his game, what he's, what he's been paid to do is how he helps the team drive offense. That's been, it's no mystery to anyone who's been around the lease for 10 years. I mean, it's, it's been consistently what he's here for. Um, and, you know, maybe things haven't gone quite his way or the team's way the last little bit, but I mean, everything's interconnected, right? I mean, we're talking about the goaltending. Um, so the, the goaltending has a, has a hand in that too. And so I'm, I'm less inclined to, to maybe be, be, be freaking out but you know the, the fans are going to do what they're going to do and i and i do understand that these things take on a life of their own a little bit and it does seem like there's a small element of that here and and probably nothing a few wins won't won't cure overall uh but you know morgan riley i i don't i don't see him as a problem on the team i mean i think that's that seems to be the way some people are framing it i, I don't really i don't buy that notion myself uh, you know, obviously, you need different players with different skill sets that do different things. And, and I think the Leafs are still fitting those pieces together. And, and he's, he's still a big part of the, the puzzle in my eyes. And let's give him some time to to get back to, to being 100% of what he is.
0: So, Leafs got Detroit in town uh, tomorrow on the first night of the back to back. And they were in the news this week with Jacob Verana hitting and then clearing waivers. Did you get a chance to dig around that at all? I, I was quite surprised to see him clear. I mean, what's what do you think his future is going to be like now with, with Detroit? Well,
1: it wouldn't surprise me at some point maybe to see them move him. Um, you know, by a trade, one thing they can do is retain salary, which is the main reason I believe he wasn't claimed on waivers. Just so few teams have the cap space to to make that move. Um, you know, but, but it's not, not a great situation. I mean, he spent uh, two months in the player assistance program. Uh, you know, players get discretion in terms of, you know, the reason they go into that is, is kept private for, for obvious reasons to allow them to receive treatment they need. But then for him to be put on waivers so soon after being activated, I mean, I think that that's, that's a tough spot for him. I, I'm with you though. I was, I was still surprised he cleared just because he's been such an effective five on five goal scorer during his career. He's still 26 years old. His contract, if he's performing to the levels he has, you know, repeatedly in the past is not unfair or bloated. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it's, it's boring because if we ever get into trade talk, it's, it's always the same answer, but it just so few teams have money to, to move players. We've seen very few trades this year. Uh, I still think we'll get some as the deadline approaches, but it's, it's not, not as the, the, the player movement in the league is kind of frozen right now. And, you know, this, this this underlines it. I know that there's there's other considerations than just his contract and the amount of goals he can score, but this is a pretty good asset that a team could have had for free, and 31 teams passed on him.
2: CJ, it was an interesting uh, dichotomy last night. You had you know people on the edge of their seat watching the World Junior gold medal game, in which some NHL players were taking place. on might add, and then you had the NHL simultaneously releasing it's a first round of All-Stars for the uh, February 4th All-Star game. What did you make of the NHL releasing that uh, at that particular moment with the hockey world, uh, or at least part of the hockey world, transfixed on uh, something else?
1: Well, and even the release it at 7 or 8 or 9 at night, whatever time those came out, I know they were spaced out. I mean, it's it's a little strange. I mean, they're, they're looking after their TV partners because you know, ESPN in the U.S. and Sportsnet up here, you know, were the ones who got to unveil them first. I, I think it's a little weird. I, I find the whole All-Star thing strange, honestly. Like, this league, it, it feels as though they, they needed to, like, fit everyone into a salary cap. Like, some of these teams just look like teams. Uh, because, because there's so many stars that, that aren't part of the initial unveiling. Like, I, I I, I can't still put my head around the fact that it's tied to divisions and then each team within the division has to be represented. I mean, just by the nature of that, you're going to leave stars out like Leon Dreisaitl or Austin Matthews, uh, you know, even David Pasternak's having a yeah. great year in Boston, one of the true personalities of the sport. I mean, it, it's crazy to me that these guys aren't part of the initial announcement. And, you know, now you're leaving it up to fan votes and, and you know, who knows how that goes. I, I think that they really need to revisit it as a concept. Like to me, just, just bring twenty, you know, forty, whatever it is, forty of the best skaters in the league. I don't care if there's four Edmonton Oilers there or what have you. Bring the personalities, bring the players that uh, that fans want to see, and and we'll figure out what the teams look like. Because no one, I can guarantee you, nobody except for those that cashed maybe a check can remember which division won the three on three tournament last year. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think that there's like there's no reason to do this by division or. Conference or country? Like I, I don't know why they don't just bring back the draft. Frankly, I thought that that was Same. a good concept. We got we got a lot of fun young personalities in the league now. Like I, I get that a guy like Connor McDavid isn't likely to want to be a captain for a draft, but why not you know Trevor Zegris or or Jack Hughes? I mean, if you see some of the interviews these guys give, they they're big personalities, and I think that there's a real opportunity for the league to. But look at that again, and we just have to have more stars in the All Star Game. I don't care if we have all the bottom teams represented by someone.
0: Well, can we get a defenseman? Like, there's not a yeah, single really. defenseman on either of the Eastern Conference divisions. Like, how can you have an All Star Game and not have a single defenseman representative in those in those clubs?
1: Well, I guess because you're playing three on three, you're, you're less concerned about those positions. I mean, what's weird is you don't have a defenseman, but then by the nature of it, you have to have eight goaltenders. Like I, I, I said it with respect, but I, I don't see why you need eight goaltenders at the All Star game. I mean, people want to see goals and and you know great plays. Like I, again, I, I I think everyone's trying their best with it, but but we're missing the mark. I mean, the fact that you have three or four of the top ten scores in the league not All Stars in the first wave of announcements. Like I, I, that's what I scratch my head at. I mean, there's there's Legitimate superstars, guys who've won individual awards like Pasternak and Drysaddle or Matthews, uh, and they're not—they're not part of it. And what's different too, this is actually a good news for the NHL. Is it seems to me the young guys nowadays actually want to go. Like, you know, the, the generation past, that Alex Ovechkin's missed multiple you yeah. know games by suspension because he skipped the All Star game. Crosby's barely gone there. But these these new generation of stars actually seems to want to be there, and so. I think that they should create the conditions where we can get as many of them as possible in in one event.
0: All right, CJ. Well, uh, yeah, go well I, we gotta leave it there, there, Dave. We, we gotta we gotta hit uh, hit a break here, but really appreciate you hopping on as always, and uh, we'll chat again next week, pal.
1: Yeah, next week I'll just do the whole hour. We're just just no breaks, nothing. We'll just Dude, go on
0: anytime you want to do the whole hour, you can do it. If you want, you can stay on the phone. You can do stay or go with us on the other side. That's uh, totally up to you. No, I'm good, boys. Be (laughs) well. We'll chat next week, buddy.